Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 94, where in a moment we chat inflation. That's today's show topic and it's on the way, like I say, in just a sec. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff, pensions, investing, life insurance, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we were getting to know the stock market. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. With me as always, this star of our show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Now, this week, something we hear about all the time and in the context, never really in a good way, uh, the word always petrified is going to rise even higher. Uh, we're talking, of course, about inflation. But how much do you really need to know about it? It's another of these subjects which we're supposed to be completely aware of, but maybe aren't. And you're frightened to ask. Well, no worries, because now I'm here. Call me professionally curious. Call me stupid. I don't mind. But I'm here to ask the questions that you want answered. So first off, Phil, maybe you could give us a general definition of what inflation is. Yeah, well, I looked up the, the dictionary definition. And what that is, it's a general increase in prices and fall in the purchasing value of money. So to give you an example, let's say something costs a pound today, but in a year's time it costs one pound and ten. That is basically inflation. So it's when the, the prices of things are going up. And what that then means is that your pound won't buy as much as what it, it used to. Okay. What's the current rate of inflation then? According to Google, it's currently a whopping 9%. The, the consumer price index, that's one that, that includes housing costs, it rose by 7.8% in the 12 months to April 2022. Right. So that's the, the last set of figures that we, we've got there. But the, the Bank of England inflation target is 2%. So, so uh -huh. at the moment, we're running a fair bit above that just now. And, and why is it, whenever I hear it being discussed in news programmes, I hear things like, and right now, of course, the official rate of inflation is X, but it's actually more like X plus 5. You know, So you, we're always behind what it, what it seems to be. Yeah, there, there's different ways that you can kind of like calculate inflation. And you've got different sort of rates for, for different things. Like in, in the papers this morning, I was reading about grocery inflation. It's at its highest in 13 years. So it, it's like one, one way that you can tell on, on prices. But probably the two main ways, you've got what's called consumer price index, which is CPI. That That's what a lot of things will go on. The old measure in which you would calculate inflation was called the Retails Prices Index, or RPI. Now, at the moment, RPI is 11.1%, so that's mm. actually higher than, than the, the Consumer Price Index. There's a really good website. There's a company called Rathbones, and on there, they've got a personal inflation calculator on their website, and it's really good. I, I went on there this morning, and I, I put in all my own details, and it came up with a rate for myself like a, a sort of personalised rate based on my spending, it came out at 14.5%. So Wowzers. for some people, yeah, the official rate might be 
say, 9%, but for a lot of folk, they're actually a lot worse off than that, even. Give us the name of that uh, of that website yeah, the, again. The, the website address is a company called Rathbones. The, the website is www.rathbones, that's R-A-T-H-B-O-N-E-S. So www.rathbones.com slash personal-inflation-calculator. It's really good. You, you put in all the different things you're paying out, your, your kind of monthly bills, annual bills, and then based on that, it'll work out like a personalised figure for, for yourself. And I know a lot of people are, I mean, like you say, you see it on the news and it'll say inflation is this button. It feels more like this yes. for a lot of people. Yeah. And, so, um, but that, that's what mine was coming out. And I, I was just putting in like basic kind of figures. I think if I actually was more honest, but sometimes it's easy to put in less than what you actually are spending on, yeah. on things. So yeah, it was coming out for me personally, it was saying 14.5%, which wow. is about 5% more than what the actual rate of inflation is yes. at the minute. What what caused it? I mean, we're hearing about it all the time just now, Phil, but for the longest time, it was never, ever, ever mentioned. So what is it that causes inflation from time to time? That's uh, over recent years, they've been able to keep inflation under that sort of 2% target. They've done well at that. But what's really causing it, or what, what usually causes inflation is a, a surge in demand for something, and that causes prices to go up. Now, at the moment, the war in Ukraine is, is one of the biggest factors. What, what we're finding, you've got less oil available just now because a lot of it would come from Russia. There's a lot less oil. So that means that demand is, is up and the supply is less. So that's what pushes the, the prices up. So, And then what, what you'll find, so like, for example, if companies have got increased transport costs because their, their fuel is higher, then that gets passed on to the consumer with the prices of goods and services going up. So, for example, your local farmer, for them to send goods to the supermarkets, it costs them more, So and it costs them more to produce stuff. So then that's where all it pushes all the, the prices up. So at the moment, the, the biggest driver of inflation is probably mainly down to the, the war in Ukraine at the moment. Okay, and again, when I hear it being mentioned on the news, they're talking about inflation like it's you know a runaway train. I hear one of the things that they sometimes do to try and control inflation is increase interest rates. And we have seen those going up recently, but what else could the government do to curb inflation? Yeah, the, the main tool in the fight against inflation is when they sort of tighten monetary policy and raising interest rates is the main thing that they tend to do to, to try and curb inflation. I mean, they've, they've been putting interest rates up, but it hasn't, if anything, it's still running away at the moment. And hopefully, I mean, most experts seem to think that later in the year, they'll, they'll kind of get it a bit more under control. But in, in the UK, it's the Bank of England who sets the interest rates as opposed to the, the government. And they, they set what's called the, the Bank of England base rate. So we've seen that go up in recent months. Other things that governments can do is they, they can reduce spending. Another option that they, they've got as well is they can increase taxes. But again, at the moment, that wouldn't really go down very well. And I think given everything Boris Johnson's gone through recently, yeah. Yeah. Ta tax increases would just wouldn't be a good option for, for them to, you know, to do that at the moment. I, I can't see that coming. Yeah, given all he's been through recently, and the next thing would be the wall. If you put the taxes up, I'd put them <laughs> straight through the wall. That's what I would do. Let's take a look at how it can affect certain other financial products in your life then, because I, I'm thinking if the interest rates go up, 
that's not always bad news. If, you, if you're saving, for instance, and you, you get a better rate of interest, then that, that could be something that's actually fortuitous. But let's let's look at how it can affect certain other things. How does inflation impact your, your pensions, Phil? That's it. You, like you say, you've, in, in everything, you've got winners and, and losers. So if, if someone's got a final salary pension, that's linked to inflation. So that's not going to, to impact on them so much. And likewise, if, if you've got an annuity, if, if you've got an index linked annuity, that's going to be much the same. So your payments are going to rise each year in line with whether it may be RPI or CPI. They, they're going to go up there. So again, it's not going to have such an impact for, for you if that's the situation. But if you've got an annuity and it's a level annuity, so that's where you're getting an income paid from your pension and it stays the same. Yeah. In that situation, you're going to be losing because your purchasing power is less yeah. now than what it was Previously, if, if you're paying into a pension, if, if you've got, for example, most, most people have now got what's called defined contribution pension. So that's where they'll pay in, their work will pay in, they'll often be auto-enrolled into a, a pension scheme. If you're in that sort of pension at the moment, it's going to hurt you just now because if inflation is, say, 9%, your funds got to grow by that just to keep pace with, with inflation. So again, if your pot's growing less than that, then your money is actually going to be down in, in real terms. So that, that's one of the big losers at, at the moment. And ones that are okay are, are if you're getting the state pension. So if you're getting the, the state pension or a, a public sector pension, they're linked to, to CPI, the Consumer Prices Index. So again, anyone receiving that, they're not going to be impacted the, the same there as well. Yeah, one of the other things when you're looking at products or you're looking at, you know, government topping things up, if you're on any sort of benefits, they haven't gone up with the rate of inflation this year, but I know they've got with the rate of inflation next year, I think. Yeah, there's different, that's one thing with with different benefits is some of them will go up. So ones that are linked to CPI, so that's the consumer price index. So I mentioned you've got the, the state pension public sector pensions, but you've also got things like attendance allowance, job seekers allowance, universal credit, housing benefit, income support, statutory sick pay, all that sort of things are linked to to CPI. So they would all go up at that point. And this realistically, this is why we're sort of seeing a lot more potential or actual strike action because the money that has been offered to workers is, say, let's just say for sake of argument, for making it simple, let's say they've been offered a 5% pay rise. Now, in any other year, in a normal year, that's probably all right because it would probably be above the rate of inflation. But this year, it's about half the rate of inflation. Yeah. And in, in real terms, that means that they're now worse off than they were before, which yeah. is why they end up saying, well, no, no, that would that would do. And, and they want to go out and strike. Yeah. And the companies that they work for, nine times out of ten, can't afford to pay them more because they're struggling as well as a company. Uh, I know. I mean, businesses are, are finding things hard just now. I know, like, my, my business here, I mean, we, we've got kind of like a lot of increased costs, like the, the gas and electricity in the office is higher, a lot of utility bills is higher. So it is, uh, uh, businesses will, will find that a lot of their costs will, will be going up. And then, like you say, people want higher wages to cover the increased cost of living so it's it's not a good situation to be in when you've got inflation as high as this how does inflation impact if you've got investments or a, a mortgage phil 
Yeah, I mean, if, if you've got savings in the bank at the moment, I mean, if, if you were getting, for example, say, I think on, on one-year fixed-rate bonds just now, you can get around about 2.5%, but then you've got tax that comes off of that as well, which brings it down a bit. But if you're getting a rate of 2.5%, I mean, it's better than it was several months back because interest rates have gone up over the, the last few months. But if if anybody's getting, say, 2.5% on an investment or, or their savings, if inflation's at 9%, yeah. then, again, in real terms, you're losing a fair bit there by having your money in the, the bank or building society. So for, for savers, it's not high inflation is not a good thing either. If you're looking, I mean, stock markets can be a good place to be invested to try and hedge against inflation, but then stock markets carry investment risk. So really... To invest in the stock market, you've got to be willing to put your money away for a, a longer period. And like I say, stock markets can go go up and down. But I mean, last week's show we did on the, the stock market, so it's a good sort of plug for, for that one. So anybody wanting to find out more there. Yeah, um, you're talking there about investors and what they can try and do to protect themselves from yeah. inflation as well, I suppose, yeah. That's right. I mean, looking at the, the there's a stock market index, the, the Standard & Poor's 500. Now, in the last 20 years, so for 2001 to 2020, the average stock market return for that period was 7.45%. Now, when you took into account inflation, that real return was 5.3%. So that was the inflation adjusted return. So over the last 20 years, that's been a good place to, to be invested. But when, like I say, with stock markets, they can go up and down. But what you tend to find is we'll go through different economic cycles. So Usually after a recession comes the recovery and then you'll get a period where there's good growth and then it kind of goes in cycles. And what you often find is stock markets will be ahead. They'll they'll price in, like they, they'll think, right, there's a recession coming or we're in a recession. So they've often got that priced in already. So stock markets are a good place to, to consider for investors at, at the moment. And you asked as well, I think, if how it affects you if you've got a mortgage. Yeah. And um, one of the things there, I mean, if, if you've got a mortgage, I mean, at the minute, interest rates are rising, so that's not so good. So you're going to be paying more per month unless you're on a fixed rate mortgage and you know for a period that your, your payment's set. But for a lot of people, their, their mortgage rates will be rising, so they'll be paying a wee bit more. But one advantage, though, is that if you borrow a certain amount, then if that's them worth less in real terms, you've kind of gained there. So if you buy a property and have a mortgage of, say, 100000 again, 100000 in a year's time, if that's then worth less, you, you've although you've still got that debt, it's in real terms, it's less of a debt. So inflation can actually be a, a good thing if you're borrowing money. Now, again, when you look at the government, they've borrowed a, a lot of money. So over the last three while, it's kind of, they, they're almost paying off their debts because inflation's high without almost paying them off, so to speak. So if you're borrowing money, inflation can be not a good thing, but in real terms, you could be slightly better off there. So just when you're just to recap, when you're talking about the government there, Phil, because you know, on one on one side of things, they, they want to reduce inflation, but you're saying in terms of the money that they borrowed, actually high inflation is quite a good thing. So is there a a sort of juxtaposition where they, they do want to take it down, but maybe they don't want to take it down that quickly. Yeah, I mean, they, they'll want... Mo most kind of economists agree that the, the best place for inflation to be is kind of really no more than, than 2%. So that, that's what most kind of 
economists would tend to, to agree on that. The, the Bank of England, like I say, set the interest rate. So they're the one that has probably the most control over things. But like I said, there is things the government can try and do to, to curb inflation as well. But generally, inflation, like especially what it's at at the moment, isn't really considered a good thing by, by anybody, really. Now, where do we stand with property right now, Phil? I mean, is that a good investment to try and beat inflation? Yeah, I mean, usually over the, the longer term, property tends to do quite well. I, I personally think that property markets in the UK the rest of this year will probably cool a wee bit. And the reason I say that is that interest rates have gone up. Lenders have, have kind of tightened their, their lending criteria quite a bit recently as well. But that said, I mean, the average house price in the UK has risen by around 10% in the last year, according to Nationwide. So if, if it kept doing what it's doing, yeah, good, good there. But just personally, I think that property will probably just kind of cool a wee bit towards the, the end of the year. But there's quite a number of things that, that investors can try and do to protect themselves from inflation. And what I would say to focus, look at things like stocks and shares, ISAs. That's a good way to, to kind of beat inflation. As long as you can put money away and, and leave it. I mean, one good thing with shares is they produce dividends. So even if stock markets aren't going up, you should still benefit from companies paying out a dividend. The other thing that I would urge folk to do as well, I mean, if you're a saver, you've got savings accounts, try and avoid poor performance saving accounts. So that's just a few tips for people kind of at the moment as well. Is now a time, oh, it's probably been like this for however long, but, you know, we, we talked about ISAs and, and sort of saving accounts, not side by side, but we've talked about them separately on occasion. And I wonder if, if, you know, if you would say, right, okay, so you've got money in a savings account. I tell you what, let's just take all of that, provided it's under your, you know, maximum allowance for an ISA in a year. And let's just tip it into an ISA because you're going to get a better rate of return there. Would you would you suggest that at this point? I hope that, I mean, you, you always need to have an emergency fund. But you, if you're putting money into the stock market, so, so stocks and shares, ISAs, cash ISAs, the rates are still quite poor at the moment. So really... They're not going to keep pace with inflation at all. But longer term investing, I mean, like I say, stock markets over a longer period tend to do pretty well. But you've got to be able, you've got to be comfortable with the fact that they can go up and down and, and things may go down further before they start to, to rise again. So, yeah. but stock, stocks and shares, ISAs are a, a quite a good place for anybody that can afford to, to leave the, the money. And here's me saying, I know we've done ISAs and we, I know we've done saving accounts, but I don't think we've ever done them side by side. And as soon as I said that, I thought, I think there's actually a title in our past where it's exactly that. And we did that one show. So have a look back in the back catalogue. You'll probably find it there and it'll probably still be relevant. But here's one that we, we talk about occasionally, Phil. And I know you're not the biggest fan of this one. What about gold? A lot of people see gold as a safe haven, but it can be a really volatile thing as well. It's another thing that can, can go up and down. A lot of people see gold as a good hedge against inflation. And usually in times of high inflation, there's a, a bit of a surge in demand for that tends to rise. And some people like it because they've got a physical asset, but th there is quite a bit of debate among financial experts as to whether it is a, a kind of good asset to, to hold. I mean, if we look at how that's doing just now, I mean, the first half of this year, gold's up about 4%. So again, if it did the same again in the, the second half of the year, you're not far off kind of yeah, yeah. keeping pace with inflation. I mean, some some people think gold will do better in the second half of this year. But what you've got, what, what's hard to do is to time things. So you, you'll think a lot of people say, right, I'll go into that now. But 
you, you want to try and buy in when something's down and sell when it's higher, but that, that's so difficult to do. But it is a lot of people do think go, think of gold as being a more safer thing, but that's not always the case. You've spoken about it having a certain volatility. I wonder, just in general terms, and then you probably haven't looked this up, but just in general terms, is gold something that is so volatile that it won't stay going up for an entire an entire financial year? See, I'd say I, I think like a lot of experts are predicting that they think gold will still do okay the rest of this year. And that, that may well be the case. But um again, it's hard to know. And then like if you do go into it, it's like when do you come out? Because you you might things could start going right down and you maybe then I pull the money out quick enough. I, mean, I remember years ago, was it Gordon Brown sold off a lot of the UK's gold, but he sold it at a time when the prices were lower. <laughs> that's, so, uh, it, it, I mean, that, that's your like so-called the experts, but I mean, they, even they, can I get it wrong? Do that's, that's well, he, was, thing. he was the one that when we went into the last recession, did not go home for the weekend with lots of books translated from Japanese about, was it uh, quantif- quantum easing or something, quantum financial easing or something about that? So you could uh, try and figure out what to do with the markets. Yeah, I'd say markets go through like crashes, boom and bust. And you, you do like, I, I go on about like economic sort of cycles, but what you'll find is that we'll have like recessions and then things will recover and then things will start to, to kind of like go up again. So it is, you, you go through periods and different things do better through that kind of economic cycle but it is we, we can learn from from history that's that's one thing that we, we can sort of learn from and markets well you, you'll have like they, they call it bull markets that's when thing people are buying and then bear markets when when they're selling but it is it's like trying to learn from history but like I say even the the sort of governments and experts don't always get things right. Just recently, Phil, they, they, they spoke in the news about sort of we're now edging into a recession. Do you see that being like a, a long-term deep thing or, you know, will we sort of just dip in there and come out again? So you, you just never know. I mean, things are a bit unusual at the minute. You've got still some impacts of COVID, Brexit, the war in Ukraine. There's a lot of different kind of factors just now. So you, you would hope that, that it wouldn't be too long, but who knows? That's that's a thing that that would uh, need a million dollar question, but we just don't know. Yeah, they do say that uh, recessions are actually quite a good time to launch a business if it's if it's something that is, you know, like a required necessity. So let's say you're doing something that is a uh, people have to eat, people have to cut their hair, people have to. If you if you're addressing something people have to do, it's yeah. a good time to to launch in the recession. So they say. Yeah, so I've it. read. Well, I, I started off about 12 years ago, and I think it was during a recession. I think at that point, the, the property market had taken a bit of a downturn and we had a bit of a, a crash at that stage. But for me, I, I just thought, right, I'm going to be the master of my own destiny, go out on my own. And, and it worked in great for, for myself. And even during COVID, I was speaking to somebody the other day. It was an accountant, and he he's the accountant for one of these companies that do like the competitions on Facebook where folk win prizes. Oh, yeah, and yeah. although a lot of people didn't do well off COVID, the likes of that company had a great success. So it, there's always, not always winners and losers, but like I say, it's different economic cycles, different things kind of tend to, to do well. So Yeah, it's interesting how a certain set of circumstances will influence 
a group of people in a specific way. So, for instance, you know, at, at times of, of fear or concern or anything like that, people will listen to the sort of radio station I work for, which is a, a nice, relaxing radio station, yeah, because they get comfort from that. Yeah. And then in, in, when, when we're starting to leave the house again, when, you know, when COVID's over, maybe they don't listen to that so much because they want to go out and grasp something else. It's just the way that the, the sort of population is manipulated yeah. almost. Now, what about deflation, Phil? How does that work? Yeah, that, that's almost kind of the opposite of what we've been speaking about today. It, it's when there's a reduction of the general level of prices in an economy. So at the minute, we're probably a fair way off of that. But that's one thing. Usually, they've done well at keeping inflation pretty much under control over the over recent years. Just this, I suppose, just the set of circumstances lately that's kind of made that sort of plough forward in, in a almost a negative kind of way. Yeah, and it's a constant balancing act then, I guess, just now, but usually a lot less shaky than it is at the moment. If anyone listening is sort of worried how inflation might be impacting their life, what's the best way to, to find out how it is affecting them specifically, Phil? Yeah, and I always say to folk, like, seek financial help. I mean, that could be from a financial advisor. It could be from a debt advisor. You've got things out there like Citizens Advice Bureau, the Money Helper websites are good resource as well. My, my kind of tips for people just now with inflation is try and avoid kind of poor performance savings accounts. That, that's kind of one. If you can, look at investing your, your money, try and choose the, the right kind of investments. Just in life in general, you want to shop around for, for cheaper products and deals and try and cut in unnecessary spending. That That's all the kind of tips I would say just now for inflation and, and there is also other things. I mean, like I mentioned, you, you've got like you use your ice allowances if if you can, don't pay tax on, on any gains that you make there. So it's well worth sitting down and having a financial review with a financial advisor if, if you haven't done that recently. Okay. Now here we go, Phil, as we enter into the part of the show where you share a little bit of your own life story. What have you got regarding this one on inflation? That's it. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling the pinch just now. I mean, my, my gas and electricity's shot up recently. Cost me a lot more to, to fill up my, my car with diesel. I fairly noticed on that when I, I filled up at the weekend there. And gee whiz, it was a fair <laughs> bit more than what it was at the imagine. beginning of the year. The cost of food is going up as well. So I, I know I know exactly what it's like just now. And, and like I say, I did that calculator, the Rathbones one myself, and my rate of inflation was a good bit higher than what the the consumer price index rate of inflation is just now. So I know exactly how it feels. That's interesting. I'm going to have a go at that one as soon as we finish. We always do this bit as well, Phil. You find inspiration, I know, through various people that you admire and you love a quote. What have you got on the subject of inflation? This one's from someone called Carol Otto Pohl. Inflation is like toothpaste. Once it's out, you can hardly get it back in again. <laughs> Dear. Oh. I hope they do get it back in so, again. So do I. So do I. I hate wasting toothpaste as much as anything else. <laughs> now, Phil is uh, really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask it anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details in a second. I'll give it to you after these. Hi, I've recently started listening to your podcast. I'm wondering if you could help me with my question. I'm interested in investing but I don't have a huge amount to start with. I'm wondering what's the best way to get started making investments when starting with relatively small amounts. And the example given here by John from York is one to four K. I'd probably say for John, something like 
stocks and shares ISA is worth considering. Again, as long as you're happy to put the money in and, and leave it, and, and it's unlikely that you'll need it. I, I mean, one good thing with stocks and shares ISA is most of them you can access quickly if you need to. But then if you put money in and the fund goes down or your investment goes down, that's when you, you can lose. But you, you can often open these with, with smaller amounts. Aviva, for example, they've got a minimum single payment of £500, and then you can add a minimum of £100 to that. If you're paying in regularly, they allow you to start it off with, with £25 a month. So you don't have to have big sums to, to open up these sort of things. And one, one thing I would say for John as well is we, we've actually got two financial advisors based in Yorkshire, one in Weatherby and one in Harrogate, but they, they cover the whole of Yorkshire as well. So if he was looking for a local advisor, that, that's something we, that we've got down, down there as well, which is good. Fabulous. Now, you know how I hate an acronym, Phil. I just, I can't stand acronyms. Here's one that comes up here. Now, I've never seen this one before. It's CTG, and I'm wondering if it's supposed to be CGT. Is it right? Okay. So uh, next up is I'm currently serving in Her Majesty's Forces. My wife resides in our home, our only property, and I commute home when I can. If my wife and I were to move as a result of a military posting, and either rent privately or utilise military accommodation at our new location, would CGT, which I'm assuming is capital gains tax, yep, that's it. still apply if we later sold our house? It would still be our sole property, but for military necessity, we would have to find an alternative accommodation elsewhere, but we wouldn't own it. I'd like to think that as it is a service-related move, CGT wouldn't apply. But I wanted to clarify. Many thanks for your help. I look forward to the next episode. We, we did do a show on capital gains tax, although this, this question here wasn't something we covered in, in that. But at, at the moment, capital gains tax isn't payable when you sell your main residence. So that's that's one thing to note. There, there did also used to be a rule where you could sell for up to three years after moving out and, and you didn't pay CGT. But again, that's been done away with as well. Now, I'll be honest, I wasn't 100% sure of the answer to this question. So I, I spoke to my accountant, called him up, and he advised me that there is a CGT exemption if you're having to move out due to military posting. So looking at, at this situation, it doesn't look like CGT would apply in, yeah. in this Sounds, it sounds like that that uh, exemption was written specifically for this kind of case. Yeah, they often have, I mean, same as well, if, if the military are posted overseas, there's kind of often different tax exemptions for, for them. So, But certainly when I, I spoke to my accountant, he did say that there would be a CGT exemption if you're having to move out due to a, a military posting. Okay, interesting. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a lot of topics now and we may have touched on whatever it is that you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil 
at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. And like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's how you prefer it. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your favourite podcast. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks, John.